Welcome back, everyone, to the 11th episode of the Agreeable Casuals podcast, where today, after a long hiatus, we are back to talk about Victor Wembenyama, the number one pick drafted to the San Antonio Spurs. Braden, can you introduce our guest? Yes, our guest today was very weary of Wembenyama much before even the lottery talking back like february march he approached me with this idea that women yama is overrated and want to have an episode about it true fan of the podcast he's listened to multiple episodes and excited to have him on we've got kyle davis here kyle attends a certain university up the road from the one that we do <laughs> uh, we are accepting of everyone on this podcast and we decided that was not a deal breaker we could still have him on to discuss some of the most important topics in the world such as overrated basketball players so kyle welcome to the show Thank you so much. I'm excited to be here. You know, I'm I'm glad that we could find common ground here and talk about basketball. Yeah, so we just want to give a quick introduction to the topic. So as I mentioned before, Victor Wembanyama was drafted number one to the San Antonio Spurs, but some are more skeptical than others as to whether he will really be as good as is projected. For some context, we'd like to provide some things that have been said about him in the past. The first of being is that he's the best prospect in sports since LeBron. Yeah, and LeBron himself referred to Wembenyama as a, quote, alien. Transcending the unicorn title, he got straight to alien. <laughs> Additionally, he's been called a once-in-a-millennium prodigy. I don't remember who said that, but that's some crazy terminology. <laughs> yep. Player comparison-wise, he's been called Kevin Durant on offense and Rudy Gobert on defense. I believe Jonathan Gavoni might have said something like that, one of ESPN's leading draft analysts. So pretty big credential names here, giving him the biggest praise. Kyle, what are your thoughts on some of these tags that have been thrown his way? Yeah, I mean, that's just unbelievable. I mean, (laughs) to call him the best prospect since LeBron, probably not true to call him, you know, the best prospect of all time. I remember some ESPN guy said that. I mean, that's in any sport, that's like unbelievable. They Anyone could possibly believe that. I mean, LeBron came into the league ready to go from day one. Wembenyama is, you know, far from that. His G League obviously was pretty embarrassing, and he just said he was, like, messing around out there. So we'll see what happens, but, <laughs> I mean, that those seem pretty far-fetched to me. So we, before we dive into your reasons for hating on him, we do have to ask, I think all of our listeners are really curious, are you a Britney Spears stan? <laughs> you know, I'm not I'm not a huge Britney Spears stand, but I think we got to get the full story here because maybe Victor Wembanyama might be a little bit at fault here. <laughs> yeah, I mean, you know, some expert analysis here. I definitely watched that TMZ clip right before recording and I don't know, I don't know if she actually grabbed Wemby. Just saying, Britney. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah, we'll have to see how it all plays out, but I mean, I think that we need to get the full story. I don't think the media is telling us everything that happened. (laughs) They're trying to protect the the, uh, once in a millennium prodigy. (laughs) Sorry, what are some of the like main reasons that you find him to be so overrated? So here's the thesis. Let's not let's not pretend like this was unresearched. First off, he's way too raw of a prospect. He, He is not refined in any of his skills. There's way too much that he has to improve on. There's a lot of intangibles that have to happen in order for him to be great. He has a lot of weaknesses. And the Spurs, I would imagine, are drafting him almost essentially on potential. And there's kind of a big risk here for him to be a bit of a bust. So, I mean, 
all that being said, we have to we have to come to a conclusion here as well that he can shoot. That's like I'm not saying he's a complete like nobody, a complete loser. He can shoot when he's open. <laughs> His stat lines always look good. He blocks a lot of shots, and of course, he has a lot of potential. But he's just such a risk that I think calling him the greatest prospect of all time is is quite ridiculous. And to pretend that he's going to be an all-star in his first year, I think is a little bit delusional, but we'll have to see how it plays out, I guess. I'm curious, do you, are you concerned about the the injury woes or is it more of a, a skill issue? I think, you know, pretty much everything is, is included in my worries <laughs> here. Um, I mean, his, the injury, injury fears are clearly a big part of it. If we just look at what happened to Chet Holmgren last year. That is a pretty prime example of someone with that build. You know, they, they can come into a lot of issues. Um, additionally, he's just not built out at all. He's so skinny. And if in the games that he played in that were on national TV before, you know, before the draft, we could tell that he was getting pushed around by players that weren't that good. For those who remember BYU basketball, he was guarded by Eric Mika in one of the games against the G League Ignite. And Eric Mika was a complete bum when he was at BYU. <laughs> <laughs> and, you know, he was pushing around Wembenyama. So if he can do it, imagine what, you know, Joel Embiid could do to him or Rudy Gobert could do to him. So <laughs> to see, you know, exactly what happens. But so far, the, being guarded by Eric Mika as an example is not exactly a shining, a shining piece of his history. Interesting you bring up Rudy Gobert, and that is somebody who Wembenyama has drawn a lot of comparisons to. Rudy Gobert is someone who also gets slandered pretty much every chance anybody ever gets. Do you think this Gobert comparisons are potentially a red flag against women? <laughs> yeah, I mean, I'm also a bit of a Gobert hater, <laughs> if I'm being clear. But, I mean, I don't know how you make it to the NBA and play in it for so long and shoot so horribly from the free throw line. But, you know, if you're being compared to Rudy Gobert, are you really a number one pick? Who knows? <laughs> You think he has Baguette Biombo potential? Baguette <laughs> Biombo. I haven't heard that one, but you know, Bismack Biombo, as we know, is a perennial all-star and a Hall of Famer, of course. So Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> Would you also say that maybe you're a little less skeptical or a little more skeptical simply because Charles Barkley hasn't also bought in? I know he's a pretty respected analyst in the NBA. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, listen, great minds think alike here. And, you know, he gets paid to create analysis. And I wish I got paid to create analysis. So, <laughs> yeah, it's a good person to be in line with. Well, one thing we wanted to look into more was this best prospect since LeBron um, tab that he had been given. And so we looked into other prospects who had been called the same exact thing. And we want to give you this list so we can see how overused this word really is. Um, we've got Jabari Parker. Andrew Wiggins, Shabazz Muhammad, Ben Simmons, Curry <laughs> Giles, R.J. Barrett, Zion Williamson, and Imoni Bates, who just went second round in the same draft. <laughs> huh. Well, I mean, unfortunately, there's a lot of Duke guys on that list, so I think that some of them still have a little bit of potential there. <laughs> we, we, their career's not over yet, so they still could be better than LeBron. I do know that Imoni Bates... <laughs> I don't know, quality about these players that, that leads them to become so overhyped in the first place? Hmm, that's a good question. I think that people are just kind of willing to say whatever to get a headline, and that kind of is a piece of it. Mm -hmm. uh, with Wembenyama, you could basically post anything about him, and people would click on it and try and read the articles because there was so much that was unknown about him. 
But when you really crunch the numbers, it just doesn't make any sense. I mean, if you watch his games, the dude like doesn't set screens. I don't, I really don't know why he doesn't do that or why no one told him that you actually have to touch somebody in order for it to be considered a screen. <laughs> but literally every single time he'll just walk up to the guy watch up the guy he's supposed to screen and then he'll immediately either cut to the basket or flash for a three-pointer the guy like never ran any of the offense that they actually tried to run and I think that kind of cuts into a bigger piece of one of the reasons I've been critical of him if you watch how he plays and how his teammates treat him if they're actually running the offense he never touches the ball if they need a bucket he never touched the ball it was the most ridiculous thing I've ever seen they would only give him the ball whenever they were like, okay, I guess it's just time to let him go one-on-one. -on -one. But he was never a piece of anything that they were actually trying to run. And when the game came down to the line, he first off wasn't in the game for a lot of it. And then second off, the other players on his team never gave him the ball. And whenever he had the ball, they ended up going down. And whenever he, did, whenever he didn't have the ball, they ended up coming back. So, I mean, I think you can read a lot into how his teammates treat him. And they did not seem to appreciate him very much because they didn't ever use him when, when it came down to the wire. That is fascinating. And that's something we talked yeah. about the air a little bit about how a lot of people are just tricked by watching highlights rather than seeing the full game. So we have someone in here who has really spent the time doing the research, um, who knows a lot more than those of us who just see a Bleacher Report clip of him shooting a one-legged three and think he's like the next GOAT. Um, speaking of the three-point <laughs> shot, I think people are tricked by that a lot because I believe last time I checked, he was a, a sub-30% three-point shooter. I don't know if those numbers have gone up toward the end of the season, but when I checked a few months ago, it was not pretty. Yeah, I mean, his numbers, I think, are a little bit misleading. In, in the French League, obviously, this is not the NBA that he's playing in. In the French League, he shot a lot of wide-open shots. I mean, he can make a wide-open shot, so he's not a complete bum, but as far as anything that was contested, if he ever had anyone in his face, his, his shot percentage went way down, similar to how it happens for a lot of people. But he was left wide open for some reason, which I really don't get. So when he comes to the NBA and he actually gets put people put on him that can actually play defense and actually get in your face, I am not super convinced that he'll be able to shoot nearly as well. That being said, he, he can shoot when he's open. So if he's left wide open, then he'll be able to make some shots and you know, have a pretty good stat line, but that kind of is just another piece of the whole thing that there's, there's so much that's up in the air. The dude really has to hit the weight room is going to have to start drinking some protein. You know, the, the guy is so skinny. There's just so much that can happen. And we really just have no idea. And no one really spoke to that risk. And as far as the media goes, and I think that that's a piece that's really being overlooked that we just have no idea what's going to happen here. Cause if you look at other players that have similar builds like Giannis, you know, that guy, it took him so long in order to actually build up muscle and be a significant <clears throat> a significant body in the post. If we look at other people as far as, like, developing their shot, I mean, even look at Rudy Gobert, that guy still can't shoot, and apparently he's working on it. So <laughs> if <laughs> Wembenyama is still pulling Rudy Gobert comparisons, <laughs> to see exactly how that plays out, because Rudy Gobert also can't figure out his shot. So there's just so much risk, and... I think that Scoot Henderson, he was definitely like getting taken out of the limelight a lot because Wembenyama was the best prospect since LeBron or whatever they wanted to say. But I mean, Scoot Henderson really took it to him when they played to get played against each other in the G League Ignite games. Scoot even went for a dunk on Wembenyama and just about put it in. But I think he got fouled, if I'm remembering correctly. But 
I mean, I think that he's going to, he, he is a, he has a body that's ready to play in the NBA right now. He's probably a more similar prospect to LeBron than Wembenyama is if we're being honest, because he's a plug and play right now, which is exactly what was so valuable about LeBron at the time. So those are just a quick few things that I've been thinking about. I realize I've been rambling a little bit, but. No, that was great. Astute analysis. Yeah. And, you know, to back up what Braden said earlier, he only shot 27 and a half percent from three this past year in, in the Paris league on five attempts. So not amazing considering I think it's the three point line is closer too in that league as well. So, <laughs> and I mean, you know, not that it's the same thing, but I've seen enough Michael Kidd Gilchrist wide open three compilations to know <laughs> that I can be fooled by a wide open three going in. <laughs> yeah, I mean, we'll have to see how he transitions to the NBA game, but those those G League games were not particularly impressive. So. If he can't even beat the the guys that are going to get cut from the teams, who knows what's going to happen this next year. So, <laughs> Yeah, and speaking of the NBA, we got a little bit of a taste in Summer League. He only played two games. Really hot and cold. The first game was really rough, shooting two for 13 and just one for six from three. He did pick it up in the second game, 27, 12, and three on nine of 14 shooting. Um, do you think he just got lucky in that second game? <laughs> I mean, he's, he seems to be a very hot and cold player, and I think that comes down to who they put him put on him on defense. A lot of times, for some reason, people will think that they just want to put short guys on him, and he just shoots right over them, and it's basically a, a wide-open three. But when he starts to play against the better athletes, it's been clear that he starts to break down. I mean, Eric Mika is no athlete, of course, but he was really pushing him around and was not letting him get to his spots, not letting him get wide-open shots. So I can't even imagine what's going to happen when he has, you know, whoever in the NBA, whether it be Pascal Siakam or Joel Embiid or Giannis. I mean, he's going to get absolutely destroyed by Giannis. So it's interesting the durability stuff, because I believe I read that the Spurs are already planning to load manage him, which <laughs> I don't think has ever happened with a rookie. So. <laughs> I mean, he's just such a prospect, right? <laughs> like yeah. the best way to use him is to not play him. <laughs> <laughs> No, and Kyle, you brought up a really good point earlier about the media bias. Like when I was researching for this episode to find the statistics from those summer league games, it was super interesting because like even NBA.com wrote his stats from the summer league as total stats instead of like per game, which is like never done. It's not something you ever see. It's like, you know, to kind of smooth out how bad that first game was. Yeah, I mean, that's the thing. He's so hot and cold. And the numbers will only tell you so much as well. I mean, if you watch him too, his defense is not awesome. He relies so much on his height. And, you know, the blocks show up in the stat line, but you don't read about how he never played any help side. So it's just really unfortunate. I think that of all the places he had to go, the Spurs would probably be the best place because they could actually teach him how to play basketball. But from what it looks like, no one's ever taught him how to play help side. No one's ever taught him how to set a screen no one's ever taught him how to run an offense because just based off of the few games that we have available it doesn't look like he does any of those things so i mean hopefully greg popovich coaches him up and hopefully he turns into a hall of famer but so much is yet to be seen yeah and sticking on this theme of media bias here we did some research into the national tv schedule which just came out for the upcoming season 
And the Spurs, all because of him, really, got 19 national TV games. For reference, Cleveland Cavaliers with Donovan Mitchell, Darius Garland, Evan Mobley, great team. They got 17. So the Spurs got more than them. Oklahoma City with Shea, Chet, Giddy, J-Dub, they got 13. Pelicans got 12. The Orlando Magic only got five with Bancaro and Franz. I thought that was criminal. Pistons only got four. They got a lot of young, good prospects. Cade coming back from injury. Scoot Henderson, who you brought up, him and the Blazers only got six. And Rudy Gobert's Minnesota Timberwolves, really Anthony <laughs> Edwards' Minnesota Timberwolves, got 10. So pretty much double for Wembenyama um, over his comparison. So what are you expecting the world to find out as they really see him play full games in these? But he's just such a risky player. That's the thing. He, there's so much risk. You really just have no idea what's going to happen. I mean, I, I don't want to criticize Adam Silver too much considering he's a fellow Dukey, but I think that they're at the point right now where they're just trying to figure out some way that they can compete with the NFL. And having players sit out half the season for load management is just not the way to do that. And having a nice, fun, young prospect is someone you want to put on TV, someone who possibly is going to become the new face of the NBA. You want to give them as much media time as possible. I can understand why that decision was made, but I think that it's going to be probably pretty unfortunate for the true NBA fans, considering that he's just such a raw product. Yeah, I would imagine that those games will be pretty difficult to watch if it's like Spurs, Bucks, and Giannis is just dropping <laughs> 60 on him. <laughs> I mean, it's just going to take like three back down dunks by Giannis before people are going to be like, huh, maybe this Wembenyama guy really isn't all that good. <laughs> and it's interesting because I feel like Chet got a lot of criticism coming out about this. But you're right, women Yama's kind of slipped under the radar in, in that sense a little bit, even though they're pretty similar prospects overall. I guess it's just those one-legged running threes is just blinding everybody. I don't know. <laughs> no, I know. I mean, if Chet gets any credit here, I mean, Chet definitely walked before, so women Yama could run, right? He took all the criticism <laughs> so that it didn't have to come down to women <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I also am not a fan of Chet Holmgren, let's be clear. I've been like a St. Mary's fan my whole life. So Gonzaga is like on my dirt list, but I mean, he also is just like so raw. And he, I, I was so confused by anybody that thought that he should have gone over Paulo. I mean, Paulo was just, again, another plug and play guy that obviously proved that he could play right out of college and people like Chet and Wembenyama are just not that. So, I mean, I think that they're probably going to have pretty similar careers, all things considered. Yeah, I kind of think it's just like the way the NBA is going right now. It's like you take huge risks, huge gambles because it's a championship or bust league. And so like they're just kind of desperate. Teams are desperate to just like hit hit a home run and rather than making the the safer pick. So it, it'll be very interesting. Yeah, I think that speaks more to the just how things are going in the NBA generally. Like mm -hmm. if I were the Spurs, I probably would have taken Wembenyama as well just because of what he could potentially be. My issue is more with the media who pretends like he's, you know, the GOAT already. I remember I saw an article online that was like, is Wembenyama already the best player to ever live? It's like, <laughs> how on earth could you possibly make that distinction? <laughs> um, but, I mean, the media has just been unbelievable on this whole thing. It's just no nothing they say has any realm of, you know, truth to it. All of their opinions are just horrific. And that's, you know, typical of the media. But hopefully we're here to set the record straight. Yeah, yeah, I mean, Bleacher Report's article from last month ranked the Spurs as the number one best young core in the NBA. 
<laughs> Outside of Wembenyama, I think their best pro would it be Jeremy Sohan? Like, <laughs> yeah. Is, yeah. I mean, Jeremy Sohan's like Walmart Dennis Rodman. So, <laughs> I, mean, we'll have to see. I mean, come on, that's unbelievable. Number one youngest core. Yeah, they had OKC at two, New Orleans at three, Orlando at four, Houston five, Detroit six. I mean, that's just awful. That's just so bad. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, certainly one of the takes of all time. <laughs> oh, that's actually insane. I can't believe they didn't put OKC one. After Shea just, just dropped 35 and 5 on MJ efficiency, they decided that a 19-year-old, 18-year-old <laughs> French kid who's never played a game was a better prospect. Oh my gosh. I mean, that's just they're just looking for clicks. That's what it comes down to. Like anything you put Wembenyama in where he's higher ranked is, is going to get clicks, right? It's all ad revenue. So they're, they don't care at all about basketball. They don't care at all about any of the analysis. So, I mean, the media just stinks. And this is just a perfect example of that. So these will start to get a little tougher. I think that was definitely the easiest one. Although there's another one down here that'll be pretty easy. What about um, Zion Williamson, given the injuries and the off the court stuff you <laughs> forgot about I mean, that. the the off the court stuff is irrelevant <laughs> that, that doesn't affect his game at all but oh i don't know i love zion zion might be one of my favorite players of all time um i think i'm gonna have to go with zion because he's already proved that he can play as long as he can stay on the court he can be a real difference maker the only issue is the injuries but for Wembenyama, it's the same problem that he also deals with injuries. He also has this injury risk. I know he does the like weird foot exercises or whatever. So like keep himself like healthy. Yeah. But it's the injury risk is the exact same on both of them. But Zion has already proved that he can play and that he can be a real difference maker. And he's not nearly as raw as Wembenyama is right now. Hmm. How about considering another controversial figure, John Morant? <laughs> oh gosh i mean th this guy's off the court issues really could <laughs> impact his game obviously he's been suspended so that's that's definitely true i would definitely take john Morant. i mean that's not even a question he's he's just such a difference maker again injury risk he hasn't had a significant injury yet but i think it's only a matter of time before he lands awkwardly and destroys his knees but I mean, the guy, the guy can score, right? The guy is like the Warriors' worst nightmare. I grew up a big Warriors fan, and he, he's a horrible matchup for Steph. So, I mean, I would definitely, definitely take John Morant over Wembenyama. That's not even a question. What about Evan Mobley? Evan Mobley. I'm worried this one might be my first Wembenyama because Evan wow. Mobley, you know, is a pretty good talent. That being said, I mean, Wembenyama's upside is just so much more, and I think they're probably similar enough on defense at the moment. I do believe that Greg Popovich can teach Wembenyama how to play health side. I'm pretty convinced of that. But hopefully, you know, he can make those changes. If not, Evan Mobley might end up being the better, the better player. But at, for right now, I think just based on upside potential, I'd probably take Wembenyama. But it's close. Interesting. Yeah, I was honestly surprised. I thought that was going to be a, a home run Evan Mobley, but interesting. How about Mikhail Bridges, someone who's who might be on fraud watch? We'll see. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I don't know. I mean, Mikhail Bridges is a valuable wing, and you need those in the NBA. 
So I'd probably go with Mikael Bridges. I think that his defense really stands out. His offense is obviously pretty good. So I'd definitely take him. Just a more established player. I'm, I mean, the way my mind works always is I would much rather, or usually much rather have an established player over a prospect, unless the prospect really is like that much better, or like have the, has that much more potential. All right, we'll give you a prospect then. Somebody you brought up <laughs> earlier in this episode, Scoot Henderson. Scoot Henderson. You're talking full like career. Who are you taking? Uh, I mean, Scoot, the, the, my only fear with Scoot right now is that he's going to sit on the Blazers for the next 15 years and never do anything. I mean, the Blazers' ownership is horrible. They're not going to build around him because they didn't build around Dame. So he would have to go to a different team, I think, <laughs> and stay on the Blazers. But Wembenyama, he's going to have Greg Popovich. Better career at the end of it. If if Wembenyama can stay on the court, I think that he might be able to have a better career. That being said, I think the safer bet is probably Scoot Henderson. So I'm going to go with Scoot. Mm. Okay, I, I can respect that. What about a non-NBA player, Cooper Flag? Oh, I'm I'm taking Cooper Flag. I mean, this guy <laughs> he he might be the first American-born white player to be drafted number one overall since like the 80s i mean this guy is awesome the cooper flag <laughs> he just hit a overtime forcing shot in rucker park i mean this guy is pure upside and he already can play defense he has good moves on offense i mean th this guy might be the next the next lebron james let's say <laughs> <laughs> i mean i, I don't know if all that's going to be true but I, I do like Cooper Flag. I think that I would actually, in the end, have to go with Wembenyama, but I do really like Cooper Flag. <laughs> I think Cooper Flag just recently like really cooked Bradley Beal in a one-on-one -on -one matchup. I'll have to dig more into that story, but apparently he was talking about trash to Bradley Beal. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean Cooper Flag. He he might be. He's next up. We'll have to see what happens. <laughs> How about Chet? I mean, they're basically the same player, just Wembenyama is a little better, so I, I'm going to have to go with him. I am definitely a Chet hater, so I would much <laughs> rather have a better version of him than a worse version of him. But so I'm going to go with I'm going to go with Wembenyama and hope that, you know, Chet retires the next couple of years because I hate him. So <laughs> ouch. Um, speaking of a worse version, we have to give a shout out to once again, really the theme of this episode, Rudy Gobert. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, I would never pick Rudy Gobert. I mean, he is just the worst. The The Timberwolves just like screwed themselves for like the next 15 years by trading for Rudy Gobert. I mean, they, their only hope is that they can send Anthony Edwards somewhere where they're going to pay an insane package for him. But yeah, he's just so bad. I mean, he can't, can't play any offense. He can basically only block shots on defense, but seems to has a, have a propensity for getting dunked on. I mean, he, he seems to be a real cancer in the locker room. And I mean, Donovan Mitchell didn't like him for forever with the Jazz. It seemed that Rudy Gobert pretty much caused their breakup. So I I would take Wembenyama just because Rudy Gobert is just that horrible. But it's not really a statement on Wembenyama being better. It's a statement on Rudy Gobert being that bad. Speaking of, I I want to dive into this a little bit. We talked about like overhype, too much hype, too many like bold labels. Is it too early to say that that is the worst trade in NBA history? The worst trade. I mean, I think I, I may have to do more research on trades in NBA history, but I, that has to be up there, right? I mean, you, you have to take into account what the Timberwolves gave up as far as the future goes and how many picks they gave up. I mean, they're basically saying either we're going to win with this team 
or we're going to be the worst team in the NBA for the next 10 years. And <laughs> I mean, trading, making that kind of trade for Rudy Gobert is not going to put you over that line for a championship. So I think that it probably could go down as one of the worst trades ever. I mean, Walker Kessler himself is already better than Gobert. He was part of that. <laughs> yeah, I mean, he turned into quite the prospect, huh? I mean, the yeah. Jazz clearly won that trade, and it's not even close, right? I mean, they they have a pretty good core now, and they have a bajillion picks. So to think that the Jazz are going to be horrific for the next 10 years, I think, is probably a bit of an overstatement. So I think that they have a pretty good future. The Timberwolves definitely do not. And <laughs> if they want any hope of being good, they're going to have to trade Anthony Edwards, which you know, is, is a horrible decision considering that he's their best player, but they really have no other options. No, that's fair. I think we should acknowledge though, that the Timberwolves do have Nas Reed. So <laughs> that's There's true. He is pretty awesome. I mean, that guy's <laughs> high school mixtape is insane. It, he was just so much bigger than everybody else. And he threw down some pretty serious dunks. So, I mean, I'm, I'm a big Nas Reed fan. <laughs> Yeah, so speaking of players who don't necessarily know what they're doing out there on the court, like Wendy <laughs> said that he was, who would you rather take, him in his first summer league game or Dylan Brooks? <laughs> oh, I mean, this is this is a horrible decision, right? <laughs> this is the <laughs> picking the the better of two evils. I mean, this this prototype that Marcus Smart and Draymond Green seem to have developed for themselves that Dylan Brooks seems to be following of just the hateable defender. I mean, I, I really don't see a future for that in the NBA. I think that it's probably going to get phased out. But, I mean, you can't have guys sit out games because they got too many technicals. That's just the, the way it goes. I mean, in the playoffs, you need guys to play in games, right? So, oh, gosh. I mean, I, I hate Dylan Brooks. But, so, it's again, it's probably more of a statement of me hating Dylan Brooks rather than liking Wembenyama. So I, I think I'd have to go with Wembenyama again. But, man, Dylan Brooks, he's he's bumming. And now he's on the, like, sorry Rockets for the next however many years. With his $80 million that they gave him. <laughs> yeah, I mean, that guy got a bag and he's horrible. So I'm not sure exactly what the Rockets were thinking. Well, I think that was a really beneficial exercise for all of our listeners to see that Kyle is not just a baseless hater, that he – is willing to put Wembenyama over some of these players. But Kyle, before we finish this segment, we would like to know who is the most controversial player that you would take over Wemby? The most controversial player. Yeah, I mean, there, there's definitely a lot of easy ones out there, a lot of easy answers. You know, of course, we're going to pick an all-star over Wembenyama. I mean, the one that comes to mind immediately is a name we already brought up, which is Walker Kessler. Would I take Walker Kessler over Wembenyama? That might be a serious hot take. But I mean, here's the thing with Walker Kessler. You know that he's not going to be the best player on your team, but he is going to be able to defend the paint. He's always going to be, have a pretty good contract because he's never going to be that good. And to fill the space, I mean, he might be the better option because you can use your money on better players, better wings, more valuable guys. I, so I think I may have to go with Walker Kessler just because his value is for a team is, is much better. And there's not a whole lot of injury risk there considering he's so unathletic and just super <laughs> long. So I, I think I'd have to go with Walker Kessler. Wow. What a blistering hot take. Are you at all concerned that Utah will fall into a similar cycle where they're like, wow, this guy's actually pretty good and then pay him go bear money. <laughs> 
<laughs> I, I don't see that happening. Danny Ainge is a good, a good owner. I think that he would much rather trade him for picks, which seems to be what he's done with every single player he's ever had. So he <laughs> <laughs> seemed to find a way to get, get the owners to think, huh, you know, Danny Ainge as the GM, he, he always has potential. Like there, it's just five years down the line. We're going to be good because he has so many picks. So I think that that's just a job security thing that he keeps doing of just, you know, we're going to have a million picks so they can't fire me because, you know, in five years, we're going to be so good. Wraps up what we had. Thank you, Kyle. Before we, before we finish though, the two of us have to decide as this is the agreeable casuals, if we are convinced. Peyton, what are you thinking? Are you convinced about the overrated nature of Victor Wembanyama? Yeah. So I came into this episode kind of thinking, oh, maybe not because I've listened to some podcasts, other podcasts, where the the analysts on there, they love this guy. They're like, when he just moves on the floor, things happen. Like, they say, like, very broad statements like that. And you're like, wow, he must be amazing. <laughs> like, very generalized, not, nothing concrete. They're like, the game changes when he has the ball. Like, I guess. Yeah, sure. But after hearing this really well-thought-out analysis from Kyle, I'm definitely convinced he's overrated. Brayden, how about you? Yeah, I think it's easy to just assume that somebody with this kind of opinion is just trying to be different or trying to stand out a little bit. But, you know, I, I really got to be thinking about media bias and how these people who are saying these things clearly have an agenda and they have a paycheck behind that, that agenda. And it makes sense that they would say something. So somebody who has no involvement, but is just really a ball knower who is trying to educate the world about such an important topic. I feel like we have a very unbiased argument here. And yes, I would say that I am also convinced. Well, you know what? That's good to hear. I'm glad I'm, I'm glad I'm convincing people out here. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So now Kyle, we'd like to ask you, what is your hottest take? And it doesn't have to be necessarily NBA related. So my hottest take is definitely that in and out is the best burger ever made. There's not a single place on earth that makes a better burger and I could eat in and out every single day. And I know that that's an unpopular opinion. Some people say the fries are bad, disagree. Some people say it's, it's so overhyped, disagree. I would say it's even underhyped. So in and out is the best burger on earth. Wow. All right. Peyton, have you ever had in and out No, but also I'm vegetarian, so. That is true. Uh, <laughs> no, but before that... I was vegetarian, I never had it either. You know, I have, and you know what, I think it, I think it's overhated, if anything. I'm I, I'm a big in and out enjoyer. Well, I do think that is a pretty scorching hot take considering there's like millions of different burgers you can find, but I mean, you know what, I'll roll with it. <laughs> well, you know what, I know that it's unpopular. I know that some people feel very strongly about it, but I, I'm unconvinced otherwise that, you know, in and out has to be the best burger of all time. Thanks for uh, joining us for this season two premiere to all of our listeners. It's been great to be back on the Agreeable Casuals podcast, where if you can't convince us, you can't convince anyone. Thank you, everyone.